Yeah. Well, I think this is going to be like a bonus episode. So it's just going to be something fun that I release uh, while this museum is here because this is my podcast and I can do whatever I want with it. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am stuck in a wasteland of failed products. Crystal Pepsi, promotional materials for Trump University, a wall decorated with boxes of discontinued Oreo flavors, and a Juicero machine. And somehow I feel at home in the Museum of Failure, which just opened a pop-up in Washington, D.C., where I'm based. So you already know I had to check it out. First, I took a train, then I caught a bus, took a few steps, and boom, I was in the middle of Georgetown, standing right outside the Department of Motor Vehicles office. But once I entered the building, bright green arrows led me to the Museum of Failure. Now, you might have the same question I did. What on earth is the Museum of Failure? As a self-proclaimed expert on failure, I thought I knew all there was to know, but it turns out there's always value in normalizing and talking about failure. So I sat down with museum founder, psychologist Dr. Samuel West, who came up with the idea of having a museum that housed various failed business products and innovations. Hello, Dr. West. First off, can you just briefly introduce yourself and how you came up with the idea of the Museum of Failure. Yeah, uh, yeah, Samuel West, I'm a psychologist. I came up with the idea of, of the Museum of Failure because I was really frustrated with a number of things. One was uh, how the companies that I was working with, they were all cool and innovative and whatnot. You know, at least they claimed to be. One of the biggest sort of obstacles to innovation and progress is the fear of failure. And I thought that was super interesting. And like, if, if I could find a way to destigmatize failure, that would be great. I didn't make any headway. I write a book, you know, I don't know, write an article. I couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, and then I'm like, yeah, I'll open a museum. <laughs> That's a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I opened it in 2017 in Sweden, where I lived at the time. And um, it's been a crazy ride since then. So you are a psychologist. You have your PhD in psychology. Yeah. So the Museum of Failure is all about business. How does a psychologist look at the ideas that are in the business world that are different from somebody who may have a more traditionally business mind, like an entrepreneur or a CEO or even an accountant or somebody like yeah. that. <laughs> so the items in the museum are for the most part, they're commercial products. So things that some companies and has, has developed and they hope to make a lot of money off of it. That's most of the items in the museum, but they're not all like that. Some are ideological failure. Some are, you know, philosophical failure, which, which are all interesting. But the main, the, the, the main focus is on products because that's more interesting to, to showcase. But I find that the, 
that companies don't really handle failure any different than we do as as individuals. I mean, when when you when you fail, when I fail, it hurts. It's uncomfortable. We'd rather talk about it and focus on something more pleasant. And we tend to sweep the failures under the carpet. We hope nobody will notice. Uh, we try to blame somebody else. Um, oh, it was circumstances. It wasn't my fault. Um, we don't own up to it. Teams, corporations, they they tend to sort of deal with it in the same way. The museum was totally nerdy, designed for sort of innovation leaders and innovation nerds. So it wasn't really designed for a general audience. But what's fascinating is that people find that, hey, by looking at these, you know, these big multinational corporations that have all the money and power in the world right now, um, they too fail when they try, you know, push their boundaries and try something new. And there's something, I don't know, liberating or inspiring about that for us, that, you know, if they can fail, that means that us, these puny little people can also fail when you try something new. It's not, it's what pushes things forward. It's people being willing to fail or risk it. What do you think the best thing about failure is? The best thing about failure, well, there, it is interesting, and it's more interesting than success because our society is so ultra-focused on success that, I mean, I'm tired of it. Uh, I, I, I get a gag reflex every time somebody is saying, look at me, I'm so successful. That's so, so failure seems more human. It's more authentic. Uh, it's more interesting, I think. On, a, on another note, though, failure is the primary method that we learn from. I mean, everything you know and everything I know, most of everything we know comes from experience and when we fucked up on stuff and learned from it. Exactly. So I just graduated from college right now. And I don't know if I'm in the majority or minority of people I know that don't have full-time, big, fancy, adult, post-grad jobs. And I say I don't really know because other than my friends that I talk to who are in the same situation as me, usually all I see on like social media or places like LinkedIn when I'm looking through the job market is people announcing their successes. Like I've just been hired and I've noticed that there's been a bit of a trend on places like that too, that are more business oriented where hosts that do talk about failures and you know the reality of the job market right now which is a lot of people are being laid off there's a lot of cuts it's hard to find a job and especially among people my age who don't have that one to two years experience that I feel like is so key for even an entry-level job so it's just nice to talk about that and it's more interesting and I like how failure has been picked up in business and all of that a little bit. And I know you've definitely contributed to that. So what is an example of your biggest failure? Of of mine? Yes, of yours. Oh, gosh, I have a whole bunch. (laughs) Uh, A a lot. Uh, Making irrational, quick decisions. When I, when I got the idea for Museum of Failure, I was so excited because I was like, I knew this was a, a good idea. And I immediately bought the domain museumoffailure.com and I was all excited because this is like 2016 and it was still available and I was like, yay, I'm so awesome. I got this great idea. 
I got the great name and I even managed to buy the domain, you know, .com. And um, I celebrated with a couple of beers. And then, you know, you get a, you know, a confirmation email, like, ah, congratulations, you bought the domain. Yeah. Well, I, I got that and I, I noticed on that, in that email, it said, congratulations, you are now the owner of Muzum of failure.com. So I, <laughs> I had misspelled the word museum. Oh, wait a second. I own, I'm a museum founder and creator and I'm all this smart dude, whatever. And I can't even spell the word museum. So that, that was pretty embarrassing. Okay. That is, <laughs> but it's very funny. And I feel like it's very, very fitting with the museum and, I, I hope you still use that messed up uh, URL for something. I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to like make t-shirts or something. And like, you know, I'm, if you're, if you're a fuck up, there's one level of like, of being a failure, but then there's a, the, the, the ultimate level is not even spelling museum of failure correctly. So I think like, that's like the ultimate yeah. symbol of, of failure. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think a misspelled Museum of Failure T-shirt would be a huge hit. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make them and I'll send you one. All right, great. Deal. So one thing that I thought was interesting about your story is your public story about bankruptcy. Yeah. And issues with founding the museum and keeping the museum. Can you go over what it was like not only experiencing something that feels like as big of a failure as bankruptcy, but also having the public be let in on and kind of watch this failure unfold live as you're talking about failure, as you're starting this whole museum about failure. Yeah. It's like the, it's the it's sort of the, if irony is the right word there, but there's, it there's, is the right word. Yeah. The biggest problem with the museum of failure was, and some, to some extent still is, is that it's so successful. So, you know, of all my projects, the Museum of Failure, ironically, is the most successful of all of them. And I was warned early on, right when it started to take off back in 2017, I was warned, you know, as soon as something starts to get this big and this sort of global, there's always gonna be people who wanna take it away from you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure, I own it. There's no question about it. And sure enough, it, my ex-business partner sued me, claiming that, oh, this was his idea and he owned it and he deserved his cut. So that was a super expensive legal battle in Sweden at the time. And I couldn't pay the lawyers, so bankruptcy. Yeah. Were you able to bounce back from that failure and how were you able to do so? My take-home message from that was something that sounds so basic and sort of trivial in retrospect, but at the time it wasn't, is to get perspective on things. Like if you're, if you're on a roller coaster and it's going up, you're not the roller coaster. You're just a passenger in, on that ride. Right. And then it goes down. It's like, you're not the downturn either. That was important to me. And I think that's important, you know, speaking with company founders that fail, speaking with people who have experienced or continually experienced failure in their private, personal lives, career aspects, and any aspect of life, like if I can get a little philosophical here, the notion that a human 
can be a failure is a completely new idea. It, 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 it's, it only started to become a concept with the sort of fast-growing capitalism in the United States. Before everything was measured in money, a person could not be a failure. So a bridge could fail and it would collapse or something, would, could, a, a project could fail. But the idea that a human was a failure didn't exist. Yeah, especially because there are so many people who work jobs that I think are so valuable and really contribute to our society. People like teachers who definitely don't get the financial compensation that they deserve, but they're not failures by choosing a career like that. In fact, I would say that through my life, my teachers, my professors, my coaches all of these people that have been not failures to me and in fact my role models and people I look up to, their salary has absolutely nothing to do with them as people. Stop and think about it. It's, it's, it's an absurd idea that your sense of self-worth or your, the label you give yourself as a success or a failure depends on how much money you make. Because... <laughs> There's a lot of assholes who make a lot of money and there's a lot of good people who have make no money. If you're a successful business person, but you know, you're a miserable parent, what, what's successful about that? Yeah. And so often we kind of ignore the other ways that people can find success that don't involve money, like joining a side sports team and winning a game, like an intramural game of soccer or doing community service, all of these things that are absolutely not indications of failure and that can even give you the feeling of success and accomplishment that don't involve money and capitalism at all. And so I think it's smart that this museum is about business failures, but even like the business failure people aren't really shown as personal failures because... No. There is a beautiful museum um, in Croatia. It's a beautiful museum called the Museum of Broken Relationships. And it's brilliant. It's, it's the best museum I've been to, um, including my own. Um, and it's, just, it's, it's brilliant because it's a simple, it's a complex concept and it's brilliantly executed and displayed by, by the museum. And it, it shows us like how you know, relationships fail as well. They're fragile. Yeah. Um, they, we, we can't, we shouldn't take them for granted. And that's one, one aspect of failure that we don't recognize. You know, if you, if you fail in your personal relationships, you probably have a pretty crappy life. But I also knew that I wouldn't be able to comprehend the museum until I was able to visit. Good thing your girl secured an invite to the museum's launch party. One of the major attractions in the museum is its wall of failure, where guests can write down their biggest failures on sticky notes and place them on the wall. And at that party, I spoke to a few guests about what they chose to put on the wall and why they did so. And I even added a sticky note of my own. My friend Sammy, AKA my amazing plus one, wrote, Ninth grade algebra. Another guest told me that his biggest failure was... Um, so my name is Sal, and I wrote for my failures I failed at uh, not coming to more events like this. 
And museum employee Shane Davenport told me about his most recent failure. Uh, my biggest failure is uh, failing to get an Airbnb before I came to D.C. And now I have to like spend the night in this haunted, creepy-ass <laughs> venue that we have for like two nights until I figure it out. So, yeah, so that's a failure. But you know what? It's kind of fun, and that's kind of the whole point of this experience is to kind of show that when things don't go as planned, you can kind of make the best out of it, and sometimes things turn out even better than before. Yeah. <laughs> I had a great time walking through the museum and looking at all of the, I guess, artifacts. Personally, as someone who has always followed politics and lives in the D.C. area, my favorite part of the exhibit was the section on Donald Trump's various failed businesses, which included flyers and books from Trump University, Trump the Game, Trump's own brand of steaks, and Trump Cologne. I feel like regardless of your political beliefs, I don't really think anyone would want to smell like Donald Trump, so I definitely get why that one failed. During our interview, I actually stumped Dr. West and asked him a question he had never gotten before, even after over five years of doing press for the Museum of Failure. When I visited the museum, of course, the exhibit is primarily products and what I would even consider to be artifacts of failure, of failed businesses. What piece of the exhibit was the hardest to find and how did you end up securing it? Okay, so that's a great question. I've, I think I've been asked all questions, but I'm surprised this is probably one of the first time I've gotten this one. So good on you. Uh, one of the more difficult items to get was actually a Gisero. I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember Gisero, but it was 2016, 17, around there. It, it was a juice press from Silicon Valley. It's like a massive thing. It costs like $700 and you bought packets of chopped fruit in like bags and you hung these bags inside the machine that would then press out the, the juice with like tons and tons of pressure and get out all the vitamins, all the minerals, all the flavor. So the machine was 700 bucks and then you had to pay, you know, I don't know how much, 10 bucks for each packet of sliced fruit. Uh, so it was a very expensive juice press, right? Anyway, it got all kinds of hype. The New York Times had articles about it and everybody was like, yeah, this is it. Investors, they, they threw money at it. And then a YouTube video, somebody on YouTube just said, hey, what is this? You know, and took a pouch or chop, chopped fruit and just squeezed it like without the machine, just into a glass. And it was a full glass of juice. And it's like, why do I need to buy the machine? What happened is the whole company just sort of imploded because people were like, what? This is like the most useless, expensive pile of shit there is. You know, it's beautiful, it's well-designed, <laughs> but, but it's just completely pointless, right? Very sophisticated, very well-engineered, but you know, why? Um, anyway, that's the story on the Gisero. Uh, so, of course, it belongs in the Museum of Failure. But getting one, because uh, this was right after the company just had gone or started to, 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 to crash. And so the only people who had a Gisera were people who stupid people with too much money, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I mean, who else would buy this stupid device, right? 
Anyway, so, and they had too much money, so they weren't really desperate trying to sell the thing, right? I was in Los Angeles at the, Los Angeles at the time because we were opening an exhibit then. I really wanted a Gisero. And I asked everyone I knew, and like, oh, some people were like well-connected in the, not the rich and famous, but the semi-rich, semi-famous. Rich enough to buy a Gisero? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and not famous and... enough to uh, <laughs> be smart enough or to have enough advisors to say, don't buy that. Yeah, don't buy this stupid thing. Anyway, after a lot of effort, a lot of context, finally found somebody who had a Gisero. And they said they were willing to sell it to me. They didn't donate it, right? They were willing to sell it to me at, you know, it, was, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was still, you know, a chunk of change. If I also promised and wrote a contract claiming I would never expose who that person is. It's a semi-famous person who sold me, didn't donate the Gisero, uh, under the condition that that person remained completely anonymous. So it was so embarrassing that, yeah, I can't even say who it is. <laughs> so that was very difficult to get a hold of. <laughs> I had a great time at the museum, but it turns out that behind the scenes, everything wasn't going as smoothly as I thought. I chatted with museum organizer Johanna Gutman about the launch party. So I am here with Johanna Gutman, and you are the organizer of the Museum of Failure. All right, Johanna. So when I came here, I was excited to see the bubble bath of failure, but it ended up not coming through. What happened to that bubble bath? It's still wet <laughs> the bubbles aren't in it yet and our signage isn't here yet so it's going to have to wait till friday have there been any other failures that you've experienced while preparing the dc pop-up well we had this very exciting trabant which is an east german car that was um just basically after the wall came down and the end of east germany being communist they no longer produced it, but a lot of people have a sort of a very nostalgic, warm feelings about this Trabant car, but it did not fit in our elevator, so we could not bring it in. But even though you can't fit a Trabi in an elevator, you absolutely can have an amazing time at your visit to the Museum of Failure. The Museum of Failure's Washington, D.C. pop-up is open every Wednesday through Sunday until November 5th. So make sure to go while you still can. So for all of my D.C. area listeners who can currently go and visit the Museum of Failure, what is one thing that they should look for? I think um, if there's a lot of female listeners, I think they should definitely look up, look out for the big pen for her which is at the museum. It's a pen designed specifically for women. I won't say how it's a failure. You have to go to the museum and find out. Well, I'll provide a little suspense for my listeners so that they have to <laughs> come and visit. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Failing Down the Rabbit Hole. If you liked the episode, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Maybe even try listening to another episode if you really liked it. For any updates, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Failing Down the Rabbit Hole and on Twitter and TikTok at Failing Down Pod. 
Oh, and by the way, tell your local failure you love them. Peace out.